What is up, everyone? Happy Sunday, February 27th, or perhaps you're listening Monday, February 28th. This is the Locked on Cavs podcast. On today's show, Evan and I are going deep into Cavs Wizards, which the Cavs won as they picked up a needed win without some point guards. Let's get into it. You are Locked on Cavs, your daily Cleveland Cavaliers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Evan, the Cavs won a very needed game on Saturday evening in Cleveland, Ohio, beating the Washington Wizards 92-86. to Frankly, Evan, I I thought for most of this game that they were not going to win this game. It seemed just one of those games I was going to see out of reach. Typical Chris Manning. Typical locked-on Cavs host. You were so so worried about about the the perception, and I'm just here to discuss basketball, so let's just discuss basketball. This game— We're both wearing our all-star hats. Yeah. We're both pin pin guys now. It's true. We are pin guys. Um, This game was— it just felt like okay, the offense is going to be stuck in mud a little bit. The offense is not going to produce enough. They're going to get like they're going to have some things go against them. Like the JB Bickerstaff technical foul, I was like, oh, this is like a point. They're within two. Then they give up like that tech, and then the 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 two pointer, which like puts them down four. It's like it just, these little things just kept beating back against them, and they ended up winning. And not because, like, Jared Allen, who was very good in the fourth, kind of, like, carried them. It wasn't because Evan Mobley, who was very good in this game, carried them. It was because Lowry Marketing had maybe his best quarter as a Cav. And we saw kind of the peak of what Isaac Okoro's defense can provide this team. Like, it was a lot of that, and it was a win they needed. If they had lost this game, they would have gone on tied with the Boston Celtics for fifth in the East. Now they're tied at the Milwaukee Bucks for fourth. Yeah, and it's still jam-packed. This is still very competitive. But, like, you need to win games like this. And this this mattered. Mm-hmm. This was a win that definitely, definitely mattered, especially coming off of that bad Pistons loss during the week. It's something that they talked about a lot post-game. It's something that I think will will was a reminder of what this team is lacking when it doesn't have the guard play it really needs. But they got it done. They needed it. And kudos to the Cleveland Cavaliers for this one. Yeah, kudos to the Cavs. I think they were saying all the right things post game as well, especially Jared Allen, who said that they dwelled on the Pistons' loss in the moment. Um, Jetty Osmond said that's the most pissed off he's ever seen JV Bickerstaff after a loss, where he kind of just challenged the team to kind of go out there and prove to him that they still have what it takes to be. I wouldn't say an Eastern Conference contender, but at least record-wise, one of the best teams, and prove that they are one of the best teams in the Eastern well, at, Conference. At, at the very least, the best version of themselves. Yeah, you certainly didn't see that against the Wizards. Obviously, I think Brandon Goodwin is a good player. I think the Cavs kind of exploring the full essence of his ability intrigues me enough to say that maybe he could be on the roster next season as the emergency depth point guard. And he's a hell of a lot better than what Kevin Pangos provides you. Um, but this was an ugly win. The Cavs kind of win their way. This was very much a... Cavalier style of game where they just whittled down a Wizards team that lost in double overtime the night before and Kyle Kuzma just seemed to not care about that but you could see his legs were dead down the stretch and I think they just slowly poked away at him and the Wizards in general and I think Isaac Okoro's defense just in the closing moments of the game was just absolutely phenomenal Um, I noticed that 
the Cavs are now handing out the junkyard chain, dark, junkyard dog chain to players, and Okoro very deservingly got it last night. I think we'll be giving out awards like we typically do. It's been a little bit since we've done that, so apology if there's a little bit of rust. But um, like Okoro was definitely one of the best players on the floor last night. People pointed the box score and say that's not true. I think JB Bickerstaff had an excellent quote um, in response to Joe G about it, talking about how. He could score zero points on a night, but he's still the most impactful player on the floor, and I think that's the best way to describe Isaac Okoro is he does a lot of the little things on offense in terms of cuts, in terms of just hockey passes, in terms of just so many little things he does just to provide a presence offensively, but it's mostly defensively that you're asking him to make an impact for the Cavs, and he's slotted in really well. And like you said, this is probably the apex of what he is defensively. Just to this point in his career, he can obviously level up in terms of just physical limitations in the offseason, which is strength and conditioning and whatnot. Hey, he is only in his second season, so it is crazy to think that we are kind of trying to put a cap on him. I don't think we should. I'm not saying you are specifically, yeah. Chris, but just like people in general are saying, like, okay, this is the kind of player he is. Um, there's still upside to what he could provide, obviously, on both ends of the floor. But, like, this was a super fun game. Down the stretch, at first, it was dreadful to watch. Um, They shot, I think, 29% from three and were only down two points at halftime, which is absolutely crazy to think about. Um, This is not a good Wizards team. I just think this is not a good Cavs team when they're missing so much guard depth. I think losing Darius Garland is a huge blow. Obviously, he's their most important player. But losing Rondo is tough. Losing Levert, who provides that, like, a little bit of a playmaking bump. He provides scoring, especially. Um, You're missing a lot of creation from the backcourt just in regards to anything the Cavs are trying to produce. It makes me interested to see what they're going to do with that pseudo deadline looming of signing a player with that now open roster spot but for now you take what you can get and then you move forward to minnesota and i think that game's going to be pretty tough for the Cavs. yeah we'll get to that later i i think noting the 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 bodies and who's available and who wasn't i think is worth just hitting on for a minute here because mm-hmm. darius garland again out did some shooting pregame which isn't abnormal if you're if you're injured but kind of closer to being back so he he did that uh, Rajon Rondo is now out one to two weeks. We would think with a toe sprain, we'll see how long that actually ends up getting him out. Brandon JB Goodwin compared start. it to turf toe, just for people wondering what it's like. I was going to get there. Uh, they signed Tim Frazier to a 10-day contract. Brandon Goodwin started in this game. They tried RJ Nemhard, a 2A player who has done some stuff in the G League that is interesting, but um, they kind of tried to plug him in, and it didn't totally work. He got a lot of jetty with the ball in his hands this game, which really – the offense was like not good by any metric, by any way you want to look at it. The offense for most of this game was bad, and I mean scoring, winning a like winning a game, scoring ninety two points in twenty twenty two is, if you can do that, like you should take that opportunity when it presents itself to you. And the Cavs certainly did that in this game. Um, they have some things they need to, I think, like just hopefully get guys healthy. Like this team really needs Garland. This team really needs Levert. And like, and this is this is I think what happens when. You get to a point in the season where you're a little beat down, you kind and you need Lowry Markkinen to. This is gonna maybe spoil something, but like create something late in this game and like feed Jared Allen. You need him to do that. You need Jetty Osmond to do what he did in this game and and play kind of point Jetty stuff, because Darius Garland is out. That's just you're gonna have stuff like that happen in the NBA season. But not compounding that is. Karis LeVert, who you acquire to help you win basketball games right now and to handle the ball and to do stuff with the ball in his hands and make the offense work better, is out. 
Rajon Rondo, who you brought in as a Ricky Rubio like replacement, is that Ricky Rubio, who was key for the team all year, was is done for the year with an ACL injury, and you traded him for Levert and Colin Sexton. Lest we forget, is also out. So like all of the the, the ways the Cavs have planned to have creation and ball handling on the floor this year have just been limited in some way. It is obviously to varying degrees. It is obviously to different levels. Like, we're going to get Garland back. We're going to see him back. We're going to see what he looks like um, post his back injury. We'll see how that kind of manages going forward. Levert, we would assume, will come back and, and hopefully be fine the rest of the year if you want to evaluate what he's going to be. The, 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 the infrastructure with creation on this team is just, like, wild when you don't have those guys, and you can see things get stuck in the mud. And, like, Okoro, to his credit, into Markkinen's credit scheme, Markkinen made some shots that they just needed him to make. Jetty did stuff that they just kind of needed him to do when the offense wasn't performing very well for most of this game. Like, it was able to stay in that, like, three to six range because you get a Jetty three here or there. You get a, a an Allen had, like, eight points in the fourth quarter. Like, you get little stuff like that that was just enough against a Wizards team that, A, is kind of going downhill right now B played on the second night of a back-to-back the night before and it was on the second night of a back-to-back after playing double overtime the night before this is just a game that like it was ugly they can take pride in that all of that that's fine I think just winning is the only important thing here for them it's like you get the win yeah. you figure it out we acknowledge the flaws and you move on to and you move on to Monday and hope that that gets um, a little bit better because the Wolves are good, and that's just another competitive, tough game. But, Evan, let's go on a break. After the break, we're going to give it an award. So if you're listening for the first time, that is MVP, stat of the night, and play of the night. We're each going to give our awards in that sense. But first, going to tell everyone about our friends at Built Bar. Built Bar, Evan, is helping people with their news resolutions because people give up on them at this time of the year. They get into they get into February, and it's like, eh, you know, I don't need to worry about eating healthy anymore. But Built Bar can help you stick to that because they are the best-tasting protein bar on the market Go to Built.com right now and also look at their macros chart. You're going to be blown away. These are high-protein, low-calorie, high-fiber, and low-carb protein bars. Most Built Bars have 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 grams of net carbs, and 17 grams of protein compared to a candy bar, which has 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and tons of net carbs, and like no protein. That's There's clearly one of these that is better for you. And there are great flavors, white Chocolate cookies and cream is the new flavor this month. Mint brownie, coconut, coconut almond, and more are available. They have sales, so stay up to date with their latest emails and texts if you're interested. Go to Built.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, and get 15% off your order. Again, the promo code is LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. Go order today. All right, Evan, let's get into awards. Let's start with MVP. Who's your MVP pick? I mean, my my MVP pick is uh, Fui Coco because he's fucking adorable. But in all seriousness, it's Larry Markkinen. He looked he looked good against the Pistons. It was kind of a non-factor though, just because they lost in the grand scheme of things. But he looked sharp in this one. Um, the shots definitely looked like they weren't falling at first, but um, they once they started hitting, like you could really tell he adds a little depth, a little bit of dimension what the Cavs are trying to do offensively. I think JV Bickerstaff had a good quote about it post game where like teams have kind of underestimated marketing and I think he hasn't given teams the benefit of the doubt either. Or he has given them the benefit of the doubt, I should say, because he has been a little bit inconsistent, just especially in terms of his offensive capabilities. But this is a good opportunity for the Cavs to really get him familiarized with playing with two other bigs and also just kind of get him in a groove offensively as well just because they're really going to have to lean on him for shooting and other offensive production mm-hmm. um 
it, that's the one of the glimmers I have from all these injuries that have just kind of hit Cleveland post All Star break. Is just like marking it now gets an opportunity to really get acclimated to things. But other than that, like this has been one of his best games offensively, and he deserves a shout out. Yeah, he was very very good. Uh, did some stuff that we don't always see him do. He was physical in posting up. They tried to go to him late to try to post up the the wings that Washington was putting on him, and he actually. Uh, acquitted himself pretty well, which is something he does not always do. He again, uh, this is to, this will we'll get to this play tonight, but he made a play in the fourth quarter that I had, don't know if I've ever seen him make before, and they like desperately needed him to make it, and he did. And kudos to him, Evan. My MVP is Isaac Okoro because holy holy smokes, his defense in this game, particularly in the fourth quarter, was outrageous. The defense, Kyle Kuzma is a good NBA player and had a very very good game up until late. And yes, second half of back to back for them, all that stuff. Okoro defending him late. Okoro getting his girl on shot attempts that could have tied the game or kept the, kept this game going longer than it did. He just kind of saying, okay, I'm going to... JB deciding, okay, I'm going to have Isaac guard this guy and drag him around at the end of this game was a big reason why the Cavs won this game. He was defending Corey Kispert in this game. He defended KCP in this game. He defended like kind of everyone that you could look at and say, hey, I'm going to take this guy out of the game. And he largely did that. Like Isaac is a very, very good defender. You know, I think Mobley and Allen deserve most of the credit for what we see from them in terms of the defensive success. I think they set the template, but Isaac is the point of attack. Isaac is the guy setting the throne of that. And, you know, not again, kind of an ugly offensive game. I'm not going to say it was like a good offensive game for Isaac. Um, that remains such a big question mark in his game big picture. But if you look at some of the stuff he did in this one, um, had a hustle play in this game where he like, tr- like, you know, tracked it, tracked the ball down, got it, scored on the fast break. Great. Was cutting from the corner, was making some hockey assists, had a really nice assist to, I think, Jetty Osmond just kind of whipping the ball. Like, he's making good decisions, even if he is not moving as much as um, one might like on the offensive end and, and all mm-hmm. of that. And, like, there, I have a piece coming this week that, well, there's data that shows that he doesn't move enough. And it's, I, when I read this, I'll, I'll, nuts. But he had a game where you're like, okay, if he can do more of this, this is how he can succeed when things get clogged, block, uh, kind of clogged up. Things get goofy. If he can contribute in this way in offense, that's a really good sign. And again, the defense is really good. I mean, he poked the ball from Kuzma, like when when and what, what effectively was the Wizards' last possession. He poked the ball free from Kuzma. Kuzma had to track it back down in the backcourt, pass to Ronaldo, and Ronaldo threw up a bad three pointer. Like that was a game ceiling play for Isaac Okoro. So he was great. And he's my MVP. Evan, what's your, who's your, who is your, uh, what is your stat of the night? Excuse me. My stat of the night pick is the fact that the Cavs shot 32% from three and still won. And this little fellow right here is just all about the good vibes. So I'm about the good vibes too. But this was a pretty bad shooting night for Cleveland. Like I said, they shot 29% from three. Then they got a 3% bump in the second half. Um, at halftime, they shot 29% from three. We're only down two. To Washington, which is pretty incredible, all things considered, just considering the offensive dichotomy. Like, this is the Cavs game where they really just thrived in the interior, or at least tried to, and more or less just kind of whittled Washington down. But the fact that they were still so bad shooting-wise and were able to pull out a win is just kind of testament to this team and their ability and just yes. their ability to um, kind of dig deep. My side of the night, 23 on. points off of 18 Wizard turnovers. The Cavs just needed to muster any offense they could, and if you can do that to some extent and do that via getting turnovers and, and succeeding in that way, that's a good thing. Okay, um, Evan, play of the night. Lowry Markkinen, 3-11 to go in this game. 
has the ball in his hands. Shot clock's kind of winding down a little bit. He's able to create where he's able to drive, not just drive the ball in his hands and like get into the paint, but he's able to then make a read to Jared Allen kind of rolling off of him and Allen dunking. This was just like a point of the game mm-hmm. where like I, you know, we didn't know where this was going. We didn't know what the Cavs were going to end up as in terms of how this game was going to turn out. And they got like what is effectively the easiest bucket in the Cavs offense, which is a Jared Allen dunk. Jared Allen dunks are like the play when the Cavs like need a play. It is okay. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna get Jared Allen going downhill. We're gonna get him a lob. Often that is Darius Garland because Darius Garland is an All Star with an insane chemistry with Jared Allen. That's the thing they go to. They don't have that right now. They don't have and like even like Jetty has had some moments with it. Like we've seen some we saw some really good mm-hmm. Mobley creation in this game, which I think we should talk about in the last segment um, to kind of touch on that. But. Markinen just kind of pulls this out, throws a lob to Jared Allen, and Allen dunks. And, like, you know, if we're not going to pick Okoro defending Kuzma late in this game and kind of icing him from the corner in front of the Cavs bench and, and how key that was, I think this is it. I think Markinen, you could point out his threes as well. There's a lot of stuff with Markinen you could pick out if you wanted to pick a play. But I look at this, and him doing something the Cavs don't have right now because of injuries and doing it in a high-leverage moment is just something I, I came away really, really impressed just from, from him doing that at that stage in the game. Yeah, no, it was really impressive. Like you said, it's something I haven't really seen Larry Markkinen do just in terms of small forward, power forward, center hybrid. Um, There's some interesting stuff the Cavs deployed, but that was just one of those games you're like, okay, the Cavs, like, you and I kind of said this one was over midway into the fourth. It was about 5.56, I want to say, to go, and, like, the Wizards were up a little bit. I'm like, yeah, this one just feels like it's over. And you're like, yeah, just call it. But the Cavs kind of fought back, and I think that was the exclamation point to really say, like, the momentum had sh- fully shifted back into their court. And, um, like you said, the Okoro defense on Kuzma down the stretch should could be a play of the night consideration. But, like, I'm a simple man. I like uh, watching big men dunk, and I think Cleveland utilizing the overabundance of bigs on their roster to kind of do some creation. Yeah, we will talk about Mobley a little bit in the last segment. Just... Um, you you got to utilize the strengths of some of your players, and sometimes if you're asking them to be uncomfortable, like watching Jared Allen throw lob passes is still weird for me from the top of the perimeter, but that that was a really smart read by Mark, and like, that's a really effective way to keep all your teammates involved. Yeah, I, I think all of that's right. Evan, let's go on a break after the break. Let's talk about Evan Mobley's creation. Let's talk about where he's at in terms of his offensive role, and we'll look a little bit ahead to Monday's game against the Minnesota Timberwolves. But first, I think you're going to tell everyone about our friends at Bet Online. That's correct. Football season might be over, but basketball is in full steam with pro and college hoops and Maction coming to Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse next week. From all the latest odds, totals, player performance props to where the next coach is going to be land or be fired, BetOnline.net is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. BetOnline remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. It is not just basketball. BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, boxing, and the UFC odds right down to your favorite Olympic coverage and information. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn about the trends in action. BetOnline, where the game starts. Okay, last segment of the day. Evan Evan Moby's creation was, I think, really interesting. 
I think it was a, a game where we mm-hmm. didn't see him. Like, look, the stat line is not always going to reflect, I think, sort of the, the growth we're seeing from him in that regard. I don't think we're seeing him, like, have, like, six, seven assist games. I don't think you're seeing – like, this wasn't a game offensively where he scored a lot either, right? Like, he played 36 minutes, uh, almost 37, uh, 6 of 14 from the field, didn't take a three, only two free throw attempts, had 11 boards, three assists, two turnovers, 14 points. But I think what we saw was at times him – passing and and being the guy bringing up the ball and being like the hub of the offense to some degree um we see him making decisions when he does get the ball in his hands that are think indicative of a guy that has a good feel for the game i think we're seeing a guy that is you know for maybe it's because of his size maybe it's you know lack of in lack of strength inside right now when he does post up even in i think even against smaller guys he doesn't wait and load up he, he makes these really quick decisions and it just goes and i think that is to his benefit mm-hmm. I think we're seeing Evan get a little more comfortable on offense. I think it was smart to lean into him to some degree. What? I said I'm trying my best. Okay. He. I, I think we're seeing what he's doing is being a little more comfortable. And it is not like I'm going to say let's turn the offense over to him if I'm J.B. Bickerstaff. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is I think this is a guy that has gotten more comfortable that I think if you want to start incorporating little stuff with him – like, I mean, look, it's very interesting to me that a lot of times when he gets a post-up that teams have decided to just double him and try to pressure him, and he and he has two escapes from this. One is he just throws mm-hmm. a pass right away and gets the ball out. The other one is he uses his length and he uses his handle to dribble out and create a little bit of separation and, like, pull the defense a little further out, and then he throws the pass. And he has these two little escapes out of those situations that allow the Cavs to then get better shots and move the ball. And, like, that, for a team that has, even when Garland is healthy... I think like an averageish offensive ceiling and has kind of sometimes trouble scoring. That's something you can. I want to see if they can manipulate that more. I just want to. I want to. I, for the rest of the year, one of the things I want to watch is just seeing how they lean on that particular little thing that it, we're seeing here. And um, I, I again, I don't know where it's going to go. I don't know how much it helps this season, but it is worth noting that I think Mobley, even if the offensive stuff isn't perfect yet, I think has shown some growth this season in as a creator and as someone you can put the ball in his hands and and good stuff will happen yeah it's definitely something worth exploring i I think uh to a few years back when i had a conversation with bickerstaff just about how when you look at teams like the miami heat or the denver nuggets and how they really utilize their big men to create plays and just create shots opportunities for others i think you're gonna maybe see that long term with moby mobley's overall ceiling um he did publicly challenge Mobley prior to this game just to say like the, the loss against Detroit was unacceptable and they need him to be more aggressive offensively, especially in terms of playmaking. I think he saw a glimpse of that, especially in the start of the second half, just like in terms of him just making the correct reads. And like you said, he he's making a lot of the correct reads often. He's a lot more advanced than we think we give him credit for. This is something he did a little bit of at Southern California, and I just didn't think it'd be this far ahead heading into his rookie season and it's just maybe something that needed to be developed and put on the back burner a little bit as he just develops everything else in his NBA game but it's definitely something I'm excited to watch the Cavs explore I think he unlocks certain features of the Cavs offensively just as a swivel passer at the end being one of the offensive hubs for Cleveland just in like I said like I really one of my favorite plays the Cavs do to break down, down opposing defenses is Garland kicks it to Mobley at the elbow. Mobley then cuts to either in a cutting Isaac Okoro or cutting Jared Allen, and this is a great way for the Cavs to break down the defense, and it just kind of really utilizes a lot of what the Cavs are able to do offensively, where they are a limited team in terms of shooting. I think if you upgrade shooting like that, just unlocks even more about Mobley's ability as a playmaker, but 
they're playing to their strengths and the fact that like a Coro and Allen obviously thrive at the rim. And if you get them easier looks, it just creates easier opportunities, no dip at that point. But um, it, it's, it's exciting to watch what the Cavs are going to do with it. I think there are some interesting, unique tests for him defensively as well. Like he spent the better part of the night before the closing moments of the game defending Kyle Kuzma. And it was like between him and Isaac Okoro just taking turns defending him. I think he's going to get an interesting test defending Cat. Like if they're going to force Cat onto him in terms of the Wolves, or like Allen's going to have an interesting test as well. Like Mobley's evolution defensively has been bonkers to like just kind of watch the trajectory of. Um, it's exciting to think of what his potential will be like you and I have both kind of agreed quietly and I don't think we've said it much on the show but like he should be given all defensive consideration oh, I, at the no, end of I, the season I've, I've said it multiple times this is an all defensive caliber NBA player right now and he'll likely win defensive player of the year at least once in his career let's just set the floor as absolutely low yeah, as possible health, health providing all that health stuff. providing like he's gonna, we, we can't he's gonna have, we can't predict yeah, that gonna, aspect of his he, career yeah he he will have chances to win defensive player if he continues in this trajectory assuming health all that stuff like he will have chances to win multiple defensive player of the awards he's that like in this game he had some blocks that i don't like i don't know how he pulled them off no he had some shot contests that i don't know how he, he is pulled them off player too yeah um a final note on his offense for the year, 12% assist percentage, which is in the 74th percentile of power forwards, according to the dunks and threes. Turnover percentage, also 12%, so it's kind of like even-ish there, but that's in the 26th percentile um, of big. So, like, he's turning the ball over a little more than you would like, but the assist percentage for a rookie in that sense is good, and, like, you you, you kind of, like, love to see it. And I think creation might be a more direct way forward for him to impact offense into shooting. The shooting thing will just be a thing we – see how it develops over time and i think what it looks like coming into next year but like the passing is real um right now evan give me one thing as we wrap up that you want to see monday night Cavs wolves 7 p.m what do you want to see in that game what is something you're looking at well i'm really 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 intrigued to see how they defend um either d'angelo russell or anthony edwards on the perimeter like i think that's going to be an interesting test for isaac coro i always talk about defense when you ask me these questions but the Cavs are defensive first teams so that's always gonna be my answer but on the flip side how will Jared Allen slash Evan Mobley look against Carl Anthony Towns? Um, he is you gave the, me two. What's up? So you gave me two things is what you're telling yeah, two me. Things I asked for one, you gave me a, two. Bro, it's just defense in general. Um, Smartass, but Carl Anthony Towns is the three-point shootout champion. I think that's going to be a really interesting test for Mobley and Allen, just in terms of how comfortable are they defending in space and on the perimeter. Yeah, I I would say this is I'll just throw a guess out at how they'll they'll line up. Um, if if the Wolves go, Beverly Russell, Vanderbilt, Edwards, Towns, with Vanderbilt as as the four, and then Torian Prince, Jaden McDaniels, um, you know McLaughlin will come off the bench as kind of like their their core eight. I would suspect that Allen is maybe gonna defend Cat, and how that affects things will be interesting i think you'll see mobley and vanderbilt kind of playing that free safety role we've seen him play at times oh that makes sense um and i would suspect that we will i mean i would suspect what you also will see is i think mark may defend anthony edwards to start and you'll have okora on russell and you will just see the switching happen with um edwards like when they like run a pick and roll with edwards or whatever i think you will just see them say okay like we'll switch that with mobley we'll switch that with with allen and do that kind of stuff I, that is what i would suspect mm-hmm. um i don't know if that holds i don't know if that's something they'll run through the whole game but that would like that is just kind of like the baseline of i think what we've seen them do this year 
I would guess that's that is where they will start, and we'll see how it adapts. It certainly could adapt to the game. We saw how how they were willing to adapt and did adapt against Washington. So that that is my thing as well. I think how they line up against Minnesota again, a good team, um, a team that I'll, I'll pull up the numbers real quick is. Very much in the playoff hunt, um, above the play-in in the West. Well, it's probably going to end up being a play-in team, but is a good team. Um, Carlton Towns, you know, is not the the best shooting big man of all time, uh, but he's very good and is going to be – the spacing he'll offer against Jared Allen will be a challenge for the year. Uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves are 13th in net rating. They are. Then uh, 10th in the on offense, 13th. In defense, comparatively, the Cavs are eighth in net rating according to the clean of the glass. They are twentieth in offense and fourth in defense. So that's how this will match up. This will be an interesting game at home. Another one the Cavs would probably like to win as we just kind of uh, barrel towards the end of the season here. It's coming fast and heavy. Uh, we'll see how this all goes. We will see if Darius Garland is going to return anytime soon. Injury reports as we're recording this are not out yet, but whether he plays or not, we'll talk about it after Monday's game. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're looking for a great, yeah, if you're looking for a great second listen. May I suggest Locked On Bets, but also check out Locked On Wolves um, it, with Ben Beacon if you want a little insight on the team the Cavs are going to play on Monday. But this has been Locked On Cavs. I'm Chris at 7. Be well. We'll talk to you after Cavs-Wolves from Monday night in Cleveland.